Jackson from Love I Nerd back with you for another Bible Thump. So um, I said we were going to spend two weeks on First Peter 5, but then I got to the end of it and I was like, there's so much more that I want to say, and I don't want these to be like horribly long. So we're going to go back into First Peter 5, the very end of the passage, the very end of the book, the chapter, the book, all of it, <laughs> and uh, just spend some more time talking about anxiety. Because I think this is a huge problem today. We've established that. If you listened to last week's, go back. You can find those on YouTube. Um, or, or at loveliner.com. You can go listen to those if you want, but I think they would be really helpful for you. But like we're in very anxious times because we're still in a pandemic. It's still not exactly over yet. Uh, we're still in a, a financial crisis of some kind, whatever it is, we'll let the experts decide. But these been, these have been frustrating, difficult times financially. They have been for me. I've not been, I've not felt financial, financially secure for quite a while now. And you probably haven't either. So, um, and then add to that, like all the stresses that we're still unpacking and still figuring out, um, from having gone through COVID that our, our children, our spouses, our friends are all going through. Um, so these are frustrating, anxious times. And, and I think that the Bible gives us some hope and some direction with how to deal with some of this. So let's read. And then I'll say a bit more about, um, help that Peter offers to people who are anxious people like us. All right. First Peter five, starting in verse six, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you, because he cares about you. Verse eight, be sober minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings that you're experiencing are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered for a little while. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Sylvanius, a faithful brother, as I considered him, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, as does Mark my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. All right, so um, I said last last time, last week, um, that there were three uh, tools that Peter offers us to combat anxiety, um, and those tools were uh, theology, prayer, and community, right? Um, so he invites us to take, to communicate, to articulate our cares towards God, and then he reminds us who God is. He's mighty. He cares for you, Right? Uh, he invites you to cast your anxieties on him. Um, he has offered you true grace, right? Um, and, and, and grace that will allow you to stand firm in it. He has uh, a bright, eternal future for you. Um, the future for those who trust in Jesus is exaltation. Um, Peter speaks of this time, this proper time, this future time when we will be when we'll be exalted. So your current suffering is not the end of the story for you. So you can see how theology helps. Uh, we can see how prayer helps. Um, God's not annoyed by your suffering. He's not annoyed by your anxiety, but he wants you to communicate those things. So I asked you to think about the things that cause you anxiety last week. Um, like, uh, because I think we all, ha- we all have people in our lives, right, who have lots of anxieties, who are just a ball of anxiety. And like, if we're honest, if we're honest, sometimes we don't want to be around those people. Sometimes we don't want to listen to their anxieties and their frustrations and their problems. Sometimes we need a break. And sometimes those people really annoy us and frustrate us. Um, 
But listen, here's the cool thing about God. He's not like us. He doesn't get annoyed by how burdened we are. But always, always invites us to cast our anxieties on him. Is always prepared to listen. I love that. <laughs> so encouraging to me. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Um, so think about some of those agents of anxiety in your life, the people you're failing, the people who are failing you, your children, your parents, your job, your future, your financial position, your friendships, uh, the problems in life that are your fault, the problems in your life that are not your fault. Um, what do all these things have in common? I said last week that all these things fall into the category of things God cares about. He cares about you, and that means he cares about what you're going through. He sees it. He's not indifferent. He cares for you. And Peter, Peter's uh, passage here like, is dripping with good eschatology, hope. Eschatology is a big word for the study of how things are going to end. So Peter has a lot of good things to say about eschatology, how things are going to end. He says there's coming a time of future glory. He says there's coming a time when we will be exalted. And so Peter is... is doesn't let us fixate our minds on minor details, but constantly reminds us of the big picture, our big, beautiful, bright, eternal future, right? Um, so your future, according to Peter, is eternal glory. He says God will himself, God will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. He's going to restore you. Whatever you've lost, because of the pandemic or this financial crisis or whatever it is, whatever you've lost, he's going to give back. He's going to establish you. You will not be moved. Your eternal future is one that cannot be stolen away. The glory that is coming to you in the end, uh, nobody can do away with. He's going to strengthen you now. He's going to give you the hope and courage and strength you need to get through. And he's going to support you along the way. So the resources you need to get through, he's going to provide. <clears throat> so do you see how a little bit of good theology, what we believe about God, thinking about what we believe about God can ease? It's not a like cure-all to our anxiety, but it can ease our anxiety. Um, and I said this at the beginning of the first session on, on 1 Peter 5, but if you're experiencing debilitating anxiety, go talk to a professional counselor. Please, please don't hear me saying that I have the end-all cure to your anxiety. I don't. But what I do have is help. I do have here is some encouragement. All right, so um, here's what I want you to know. God is for you. He is pro you. He is in your corner. He has your back. No one is more committed to your flourishing than God is. No one. No one wants better for you than what God wants. He's in your corner. All right. Peter also goes on to talk about community. In verse 9, he reminds us that the same kind of sufferings that Christians are experiencing in Asia Minor are being faced and experienced by believers all over the world. Peter's reminding us that we're not alone and our suffering isn't special. <laughs> You're not as special as you think you are. <laughs> uh, you are special to God, but your suffering's not. What often keeps us stuck and overwhelmed is that we convince ourselves that we have problems that no one else has ever faced and there isn't a solution to. And the reality is that that's probably not true. Someone has faced something very similar and probably even worse than what you have. Um, your suffering and your anxiety, hear me, hear me. Your suffering and anxiety aren't special or unique. They're not. <laughs> but you, you are special and unique. 
Uh, you are special to God. You are very special to God. Your anxiety is not. Okay? And here's what we need to remember. God is willing to bear our anxiety um, and the anxiety of others. How should we respond then to the anxiety, to our own anxiety and the anxiety of others? Well, humble yourselves, Peter says. This is second person plural. Um, not here to teach you grammar, but he's speaking not just to individuals, but to churches, to communities, to collections of believers, to believers coming together and living, doing life together. This is a community practice. Humbling yourselves under God's mighty hand is not something we just do on our own through prayer or whatever. It's something we do on our own through prayer, but we also do it in community with other believers. We invite other believers into our lives and ask them to help and to join us in this in this process of seeking God's face, right? And seeking to humble ourselves before him. If God's posture towards our anxiety is one of care, what should our posture to the anxieties of others? As, because as soon as you open up your anxieties to others, they're going to open their anxieties up to you and give them to you to help you bear, to ask you to help bear them. So if God's posture is one of care, um, our posture towards the anxieties of others should be one of care. We often respond to others' anxieties in well-meaning but dismissive ways, right? Um, like, uh, I think about um, like these little jingles that uh, you know, like I've heard uh, family members, well-meaning Christian family members, give to my kids. Like my kids are freaking out about something that's making them super anxious, and they're just like losing their mind. And and one of these family members will say like, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Again, I say, "Rejoice." Like they're like, "Don't be upset, don't be angry, don't feel things, but rejoice in the Lord." Um, Again, like one of the things that I think we see in this passage really clearly is that our our feelings are not broke are not wrong. God wants us to express our feelings. It's not that we should stop feeling things and feel more positive emotions. No, He wants us to express our negative emotions to Him. Let yourself feel things, and and let the people around you feel things, and let them express those feelings without judgment. So never, never, never weaponize the anxieties of others. Vulnerability is to be honored and valued and. Protected. Don't use people's vulnerabilities against them. That's the opposite of gospel love. That's the opposite of the kind of love Jesus offers us. Don't use people's anxieties against them. Uh, protect them. Guard them. Uh, if, they're, if the anxiety they're experiencing is, is particularly private, keep it safe. Protect it. Don't share that information. When others share their anxiety with you, how do you tend to respond? Does the way you speak about um, spiritual things. This is the way you speak about the gospel, encourage vulnerability in others. God gives grace to the humble. What do you give to others when they unburden themselves to you, when they share anxieties? What do you give? Humbling ourselves before God is connected to how we carry ourself, ourselves in relationship with other people. Um, listen, when you know someone cares about you, you will be more likely to be open, right, and honest about your anxieties your fears, your problems, even your failures, because there's safety and security in care. When we know someone really cares and values and treasures us, then we feel safe to say, I'm not okay. Um, that's the kind of posture God takes towards us. That's the kind of posture we should have towards others. God will not use your anxiety against you. He will not. Um, I, have, I have three kids, so when I'm with them at least five times a day when I'm with them, um, one of them loses it with the other, right? One of them loses their mind with in frustration with the other. And often I'm not a great 
dad in those moments and I get frustrated myself and I, I actually like respond in such a way that amplifies <laughs> rather than diffuses the anxieties. But in my best moments, when I respond the way that I want to respond, the way I think, I th- think God would have me respond, in my best moments, I find myself regularly saying things like, why are you upset? What's wrong? You won't get in trouble. Just tell me how you feel. You can tell me how you feel. I won't get upset. Just tell me why you're so upset. This is a safe place, right? You can tell me. I love you. I'm for you. I want the best for you. I can help. I can help. I know I can help, too. I'm not trying to be arrogant here, but I know I can help because I have more perspective than them. Like, I'm older, and I've been through a lot of what they've been through. And like, and, and, and by the way, I'm in something of an objective third party. No one's truly objective, but I'm more of an objective third party than they are when they're bickering with each other, right? And I can step in and go like, hey, let's try to see your sister's side of things. Let's try to see your brother's side of things. Like, let's try to unpack this, right? Let's try to let everyone have a voice. I want the best for you. I can help. I am more committed to your flourishing than you know. I want to say to my kids, I want to communicate to them. I don't always do this. I'm not saying I say this verbally all the time, but what I want to communicate to them is that I want the best for you. I can help. I'm committed to your flourishing, more committed to your flourishing than you know. Give me your anxieties. I want to bear them. I want to help. Through the gospel, listen, through the gospel, God is saying that to us constantly. He's saying, I want the best for you. I'm here. I can help. Give me your anxieties. I want them. I'm here. I love you. I care. But the difference is that he is a much, much better father than me or you. Cast your anxieties on him. He cares for you. I hope this helps and gives you perspective and hope and direction this week. Thanks again. We'll start a new series for Bible Thump very soon.